Welcome to Coffee with Romina. This is your host, Romina Muhammadai, award-winning leader, negotiation and sales expert, and your new favorite podcaster. Each week, we bring you inspiring stories from extraordinary people of diverse industries, sharing practical advice and tips on how to overcome career and personal obstacles, define your own success, and take charge of your own destination. Thank you for spending time with us today. Now let the show begin. Hello, my beautiful people. Welcome back to Coffee with Romina podcast. This is your favorite podcaster, Romina. I hope you guys are having a tremendous and a fabulous and a gorgeous and a beautiful day so far. If this is your first time ever tuning into Coffee with Romina, welcome to the show. And if you are one of our loyal listeners, thank you so much for trusting me with your time again, you guys. And welcome to another amazing episode of Coffee with Romina podcast. Well, just like you guys know, as a matter of fact, every Tuesday we launch brand new episodes and yep, it's Tuesday, time to talk about something new and exciting. And this week we actually have Melanie Chukas Bradley. We are going to talk about healing through nature exploring. I mean, why not? I actually just came back from camping trip myself. Every single muscle on my body is very sore because of swimming, exploring, camping, all the fun stuff but I would not trade it for anything else. You guys, if you never gone camping, if you never explored nature, if you never got a nature, like mind, soul, body, spirit connection, do yourself a favor and just plan a trip and just go for it. I mean, honestly, honestly, you will, you will be thanking yourself later. Or you can thank me or Milani because we're going to talk about this amazing, amazing topic today. I don't want to spoil the episode a lot, you guys, so before we even get started, I just want to give you a quick reminder. Go ahead and hit the subscribe button wherever you are listening this podcast from, wherever you get your podcast just from. And as a matter of fact, if you are listening from Apple Podcasts, go ahead and give us a five-star review. Cinco, five. Cinco de Mayo is tomorrow, but give us five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And a short comment, tell us how amazing we are doing. And why not? Write your favorite episode number there as well. And you guys, if you want to learn more about me, what I'm up to, my camping trips, my excitement trips that are coming up, my fully loaded summer that is about to come up, as a matter of fact, which I'm super duper excited for, go ahead and connect with me on any social with the handle Connect with Romina, as well as connectwithromina.com is my website. But don't forget to also connect with Melanie, you guys. I don't want to spell too much episode. I know I'm talking too much. I'm super duper excited because I love nature. And this episode, it just makes me super happy. And makes me want to go camping again. It makes me want to see sunsets again. Which I'm really looking forward to do. Because nature is amazing. I mean, honestly, you guys. Nature is... Like, it should be your, like, best friend. And if you don't have a hiding spot in nature where you see your sunsets and sunrises or you just enjoy the view, do yourself a favor and find a spot. Just trust me. Trust me. Do yourself a favor and find a spot. Okay, enough of me talking. Let's jump to the interview. Enjoy! Melanie, how are you today? I am just great. I'm so happy to be talking to you, Romina. Before we do get started to the juicy questions, I actually wanted to pass on the mic to you. Tell us, how did you go about the career that you have right now? Because you talk a lot about nature, forest bathing, where you talk a lot about synchronizing your energy with nature. And I'm really interested, like really happy about this interview. But tell us, how did you get started? 
So, you know, it really goes back to my childhood, Romina. I grew up in Vermont, which is a really beautiful rural place. And from a very young age, I climbed trees, I wandered in the woods and fields, and I developed a deep love of nature as a child. And then when I moved to Washington, D.C. as an adult, you know, I was looking for a job as a journalist. I was not finding my dream job right away. And what happened instead is that I realized that Washington, D.C. is just filled with beautiful trees. And actually, I found out that the city has been known as the city of trees for more than 100 years. So I set out to write a book about the trees of Washington. And uh, I was in my 20s at the time. And then I just took it from there. I, you know, I, I melded my love of writing and my love of nature. I've written seven um, nature books. They're behind me here on the mantle. And then I began leading tree tours and nature walks and all kinds of adventures in the wild, you know, on foot, by bicycle, by kayak. And I've been doing this for many years. And it just gives me such joy to share my own love of nature with other people who love nature. And especially in the times we're living in now, I think having a connection with nature, the, you know, the serene beauty of nature is extremely therapeutic. So, you know, I spend my time in nature as much as possible. And when I'm not out, I'm, I'm here writing about it. This show is sponsored by Sales Law of Averages online course. The course is a business development course teaching sales professionals and entrepreneurs how to master their sales funnel through sales and negotiation techniques. We all work hard on our leads, but unfortunately often fail to convert those leads to sales. Well, now you can say goodbye to those days. Order the course today at connectwithromina.com forward slash courses to get a deep discount. Receive access to over 40 videos, five hours of training material, and study even movie negotiation scenes today for just $79. Use the promo code Romina, which is spelled R-O-M-I-N-A at checkout. Again, the website is connectwithromina.com forward slash courses and use the promo code Romina that's spelled R-O-M-I-N-A at checkout. Master your sales today. So let's talk a little bit because I came to find out that nature is healing more than I ever thought it would be. Two years ago, I was diagnosed with anxiety and I just started going out and enjoying nature and I did not think it would be as healing as it is. So can you walk us through why is it so healing and why is it not more exposed out there to explore nature? One of the silver linings of the pandemic is that many people like you, Romina, have discovered that spending in time in nature is a very good way to calm your anxieties. And it's not only that, you know, we feel this personally, but there's been all kinds of medical research done that shows that when you spend time in nature, you lower your blood pressure, the levels of cortisol, which is a hormone that in high levels can indicate stress, the, you know, the level of cortisol goes down. And one study at Stanford University that I think is really exciting and it very much resonates with me is about something called ruminative thinking. Have you ever heard of ruminative thinking? No, tell me more. So ruminative thinking is when you just keep turning something over and over in your mind. It's usually a negative thought pattern. You're not really solving a problem. You're not really getting anywhere. You're just kind of chewing on it, you know, like a dog chewing on a bone. And you just keep thinking the same thoughts over and over again. 
And at Stanford, they did this study and they found out that people who walked in a natural area got relief from ruminative thinking, whereas, you know, the control group that was in a more, you know, urban area did not. And ruminative thinking can lead to anxiety and depression. So letting go of those negative thought patterns, which is something that happens when you're out looking at a beautiful sunset or sitting under a tree or seeing a field of wildflowers or a flock of birds, your anxieties just dissolve and your negative thinking does as well. You know, that's a really significant part of spending time in nature. So let's also talk about the joy of forest bathing, because this book of yours has been translated in multiple languages. It's one of the bestsellers. Tell us a little bit more about it and what's the power of forest to begin with? Oh, yes. Yeah. So my book, The Joy of Forest Bathing, is about this practice that started in Japan in the 1980s. The forestry agency coined this phrase, shindinyoku, which translates as forest bathing. It's not necessarily an actual bath in the forest, but it's, you know, immersing yourself in the beauty and wonder of the forest. The forestry agency started encouraging people to leave the cities periodically and go out into the beautiful forests that are throughout Japan. And it became really popular. And I think that, you know, having a phrase for it, forest bathing, something that's so appealing and kind of labeling this practice helped it along. And then some Japanese researchers started researching the both the physical and mental health benefits of spending time in nature. And then it just caught on all around the world. It's kind of like yoga, meditation, tai chi, a practice that has come out of Asia and has been adopted all around the world. So I have been to Japan on a forest bathing trip. I've gone on walks with forest bathing guides I've also trained as a forest bathing guide with an organization in Sonoma County, California called the Association of Nature and Forest Therapy Guides and Programs. They've trained guides throughout North America and all around the world. So I have trained with them. And, you know, I lead these forest bathing walks and it's very much like a nature walk, but it's really more meditative. You, you slow down, you know, you walk very slowly. If the weather's warm enough, you sit under the trees. You soak up the beauty around you through all your senses, and it's a very rejuvenating practice. It's something you can do. You can do it with a group of people, especially in non-COVID times, although we do take out small groups that are socially distant and wearing masks, but you can do it on your own. And I describe how to do a forest bathing walk, both in the book, The Joy of Forest Bathing, and then also in my new book, resilience, connecting with nature in a time of crisis. I walk you through the steps. So let's talk a little bit about connecting with nature to on time of crisis from the resilience series, because I wanted to touch base on what would be some very good beginning steps for you to even do such a thing, because not a lot of people are open-minded. So what would be like some very basic steps we can take towards our family or our friends to even start that process? Yeah, that's such a great question, Romina. And forest bathing, I mean, it can sound kind of grandiose, like, oh, you've got to be out in a beautiful forest. But what I tell people is you can do this very close to home. And I encourage you to adopt what I call a wild home. And your wild home can be your backyard if you're lucky enough to have one. It can be your porch. If you have a front porch or if you're in an apartment building and you have a balcony, 
anywhere that you can just get outside and connect with the beauty and wonder around you. If you have a neighborhood park or garden, just someplace close to home. And then go to this place as often as you can. Try to slow down, breathe deeply. You know, when you're out in nature and you're breathing, you're breathing in all of those good scents and all the wonderful compounds that the trees and and all the plants are releasing. It's very good for your health and, you know, both physical and mental. And just connect with nature close to home and do it as often as you can, even if you just have 10 minutes to go outside and sit under a tree or stand under a tree, watch the birds, you know, listen to the breeze, watch the breeze in the trees. It's extremely calming and rejuvenating. So the main thing I think is to, you know, to do it often and and do it close to home. The other really nice thing about a wild home is that when you get to know a place intimately, it's very much like getting to know a person. When you first meet somebody, you learn their name, you may pick up on, you know, they have a sense of humor or they're very warm. But it's when you get to know someone over time that you really have that intimate connection that we have with our close friends and family members. It's the same thing with a place. You get to know a place and you start observing it in all different times of day, all different times of weather, through the seasons. You form a very meaningful relationship. And it becomes something that you want to experience, just like you want to spend time with a friend that you really like. I love it because while you were talking, I have this place here in Jacksonville, Florida, which is in Riverside area, that I just love their sunset. And when you were talking about creating a wild home, my eyes, because I'm a visionary, I picture things. I'm having like a trailer of all the sunsets that I've watched there, or like having a trailer of the timeline, because you do build the relationship with that place because it, do- it does feel like home and you're a peaceful place. You have all your memories. So like when you go to that place, you see all those sunsets in your mind. You know, that yes. Yeah. And then it's that if you take somebody else, hey, I'm going to show you my secret spot. That's a whole nother type of bonding, too. It is. Oh, and it is so bonding to spend time in nature with people you love. It is so bonding. And I think that the experience of being in nature, connecting with the trees and the rocks and the rivers, all of that is great. So is connecting with your your friends. Another thing, and when you were talking about how you could picture these consecutive sunsets, I wanted to say that's something you can do, even if you're sitting at your computer, you know, we're, we're spending a lot of time with screens now, and it can be a real strain on our eyes. And, you know, we're not really designed to look at screens all day long, but the way many of us are, are doing our work now, we're, we're spending extra time with screens. If you can close your eyes for a few minutes and go to that place in your mind, just imagine you're there you know, and, and picture the beauty and smell the smells and hear the sounds, that can be a really wonderful rejuvenating break sitting right at your laptop. So I do have a, a question. It's more of a personal question because we all know I love sunsets. I will go drive one hour, two hours away to watch a sunset, but I still have yet to realize why I love sunsets so much. But I also know people that love sunrises that will wake up extra early to see the sunrise. What effects does this give us to our energy? And why do we get so, I wouldn't say addicted, but in a way addicted to it? Like, why does that happen? Magical time. There's something about the light at both at sunrise and sunset that is very magical. 
no two sunrises or, sun or sunsets are the same. So it's always a surprise, you know, is the sky going to be clear and, you know, have a, have a reddish or a golden glow? Will there be clouds that will be lit up by the rising or setting sun? So it's something that is ephemeral. You know, it happens twice a day. So it is predictable. And, you know, we do like things that are predictable, but also it always surprises and delights us because when we go out, you know, we know we're going to see it. We know we're going to see the sun rising or setting, but we don't know what it, how it's going to look today. And I think that combination of the predictable and the, and the surprise element, plus the light is so luminous at sunset and at sunrise. And I see more sunsets than sunrises too, I have to say. Right? <laughs> that is um, so true though. Like if you go through my camera roll, I have so many time lapses because I set my phone there or take pictures and they're never the same. Even though it'd be exact the same place, they're never the same. And that's how nature is. You know, even the most familiar aspects of nature, each moment has new delights. Each moment has changes. No two moments are the same. And, you know, with our physical horizons limited now, we can't travel, we can't do a lot of the things we love to do. Having a connection with nature is a really wonderful way to stay entertained, stay engaged, feel fully alive. But I was lucky enough to discover as a child, which mm -hmm. is that, you know, tuning into natural beauty is very rewarding in so many ways. Let me ask you this, though. What's the most memorable moment for you that you connect to with nature? If you can point out one that you just can never forget. Oh, I go right back to when I was very young. I lived, well, I was, I think I was 18. I was living in Greece. So I was living in Athens. Okay. I was going to school in Athens, living with my grandparents. And my grandfather was born on the island of Samos, which is near the Turkish coast. It's this beautiful island. And we had gone there um, to visit family. And we were on a ferry boat on our way back to Athens. I get chills just thinking about this. And the dolphins in Greece love to come and play with the ferry boats. They come, they come leaping out of the sea. They leap along next to the boats. And all the Greek people are cheering them on and they are leaping and, you know, just loving this connection with people. And I had a moment where, you know, I'm on my way from Samos to Athens and the, and the dolphins were leaping in the sea. And I just felt, it's hard to explain, but I just felt like I could, could be in all times at once. You know, I just got this very overwhelming oceanic kind of um, universal feeling that time, you know, time and space were all one. And it's just this moment with the dolphins. So I think that is my most cherished nature memory. <laughs> I used to go to Greece a lot with my family when I was younger. We would go to Patra and uh, Ahaya, those areas. And by the sea, because you have the sea there, you would see dolphins on the far, like on the sunsets. And it used to be one of the best views ever. It used to be really, really pretty. I remember that so growing great. up. <laughs> that is so great. And where did you grow up? Was it in Albania? Very south of Albania. So I'm actually 20 minutes away from the border with Greece. So we used to go to Greece. It might sound silly, 
But Albanians economy wasn't the best. So we used to go to Greece even for grocery shopping because we know it was regulated. It was a lot healthier. So we would just go there once a month, do a lot of grocery shopping and come back. So and we used to just go through the border. <laughs> That's so great. Oh, oh yeah. I know how to say hi, how are you, and order ice cream in Greek language. That's oh, about that's it. That's very important. <laughs> the importance. I know pakoto. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Now, let me ask you this, though, because we're talking about nature, forests, trees, flowers, but how we can bring nature to the house? Great question. So I mentioned, you know, that you can close your eyes and imagine that you're in nature. Being able to touch textures like shells and stones and pine cones, anything in nature that you can safely bring into your house and then just keep it, keep it nearby. Like I keep, I have right next to my laptop, I have stones, I have buckeye seeds, I have all these wonderful things from nature that I can just pick up and hold. You know, looking out your window, you know, just being aware of the clouds. I have a skylight. We have a little sunroom with a skylight. And during the pandemic, I've been doing uh, my yoga online and and just lying on the yoga mat and looking up at the skylight. I've been so tuned into the clouds and the birds flying overhead. You can listen to nature sounds, watch nature programs. We have a lot of art in our in our home, like the painting right behind me is a painting of a little, little mountain near Washington. Any kind of artwork that you can bring into your home, photographs or paintings, just surround yourself with nature. And then also being close to the elements is very therapeutic. So light, lighting candles. I noticed that during the pandemic, I've been lighting a lot of scented candles, you know, with really nice nature, earthy smells. Nice soaps, taking baths, just any way that you can connect with with the elemental aspects of life on earth in your home is, you know, just really rejuvenating. So what I wanted to also ask is maybe I'm mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, but for my poetry, poetry too. I'm sorry, poetry. (laughs) Very important. From my own observation, and maybe I'm mistaken for saying this, but I want to know the answer. You know, maybe we can get to it. What I've noticed is people that are really with flowers, people that love flowers are actually actually more emotionally connected with nature. I'm not as connected as I would love to be because I just have my sunsets. I go in Ocala Forest Park with my girls. We do our camping once and then continue about my day. But for example, my friends or my mother are really, really into flowers. They would love to decorate the patio with flowers. They would love to have things there. And I've noticed that I'm not as connected or as openly emotionally as they might be sometimes? Does it have to do anything with it? Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Yeah, I think some people, for some people, flowers make them really, really happy. I'm, I'm one of those people. I love to have flowers in the house. Also, houseplants. There's actually been studies. This one uh, Japanese researcher, especially Dr. Miyazaki at Chiba University in Tokyo, has studied how Spending time with houseplants actually has a physiological calming effect on you. So do you like having houseplants in your house? I do enjoy plants. Like I'm the person that if you give me flowers, I will look at you and say, why? Like just <laughs> get me coffee. Like I'm that weird person. But if you get my mother flowers, which for a while, when I first moved closer to them, I would get her flowers every Friday. And it was like a routine. So it just brightened her up. 
I should probably start doing that again. Hopefully mom doesn't listen to this episode. I'm not a flower person. And I've noticed that I'm more shelved when it comes to emotions or when it comes to, you know, being more open, just talking about emotions when she, on the other hand, is very open. And I've noticed this with friends that love flowers. They're very open about emotions and they're more emotionally oriented. That's the right word to say. That is such an interesting perception. I've never heard anybody say that before, but I'm going to think about it, you know, with the people I know. What works for you are the sunsets. You're a sunset person. Your mom is a flower person. You're a sunset person. So I think that's probably another aspect of connecting with nature is finding out what aspects of nature are meaningful to you and make you happy. You know, and you can make a little game out of it or a little journey to find out what is it in nature that really resonates with you. So I would advise for this for you guys too. again, I'm no nature expert. We have the expert on the interview. That's why we're talking about this. But I know to say for myself, just like I mentioned earlier, when I start having really high anxiety issues that at first I was like, what is happening? I'm amazing. I got this. But then all these things that I couldn't control so end up being anxiety. And what I do is that I take different pictures and I have two vision boards. One is for my goals for the year and one is pictures that I print throughout the year. And on that vision board, I have multiple pictures of the sunsets that I've gone to. I just print them on my printer multiple ones, cut them off all over the place. So maybe having that visual, it helps me. And maybe having that visual too for somebody that may love like a specific flower or a specific place in nature maybe that'll help too to kind of space out instead of you know maybe do the eye close but kind of stare the picture too yes yes great idea and when you have your sunset pictures not only are they beautiful pictures but they have meaning for you because you remember those sunsets you Mm -hmm. remember where you were when you took those pictures yeah that you know you probably remember who you were with whole experience comes back when you look at those those pictures Absolutely. We're getting ready for this interview yesterday, actually. And I posted on social. I was like, go watch a sunset today. Here's a clip of many sunsets that I've watched. And everybody's like, I had no idea it could be this pretty. I'm like, yes, it is. Oh, my goodness. Especially in Florida. I mean, Florida sunsets are really special. Now, let's talk a little bit because I covered with you how me and my friends have this ritual that we go to Ocala Forest uh, Park. How important is it to also have a ritual with a group of friends so y'all can connect through a bonfire and stare at the sky? It might sound silly to some people, but we prefer that over clubbing on normal life to not only COVID time. (laughs) How important is it? It sounds delightful. I think it's very important. I mean, the fact that you have a group of friends, you know, you all want to go camping together. You all care about the sunsets. You all like to sit around the fire. All those things are so meaningful. And if you think back through human history, what have people been doing since, you know, humans evolved? Sitting around the fire, telling stories, singing songs, dancing. It's a very primal thing, you know, and and I think simple rituals in nature are really important. When we lead forest bathing walks as guides, we have some rituals that we follow. We usually do some deep breathing at the beginning of a walk. We tune in with each of our senses, and then we follow the lead of the Japanese guides and have a little tea ceremony at the end. So we'll, we'll serve tea and have snacks and read some poems. So there's a, there's a ritual to that. I think any kind of simple rituals that you can weave into your life and your experiences 
make them all the more meaningful. So I wanted to actually ask this before we jump to another one of your books, which I definitely want you to share about. You, when you mentioned forest bathing, it's about going slow in the nature and taking in the beauty. But also a lot of people find hiking, for example, very relaxing. But hiking is more go, 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 and won't enjoy the view at the top. So what is the biggest difference between them? Why are they so different? Yes, they're both wonderful. They're both so important. And you can do the two together, too. That's the other thing. If you like to hike, I love to hike. Um, people like to go mountain biking, mountain climbing, kayaking. I love to kayak. Yes. Anything that, I mean, anything you do outdoors is good for you. Getting exercise outdoors is very, very important. Very good for your health, your mental, physical, and spiritual health. The forest bathing is a little different in that you slow down and really tune into your surroundings. But you can do that on a hike. If you stop, well, when you get to the top of the mountain, you're going to be doing that because, you know, you, you're rewarded by this beautiful view and you want to take it in. And that's definitely a forest bathing moment. You can weave forest bathing into anything you do outside. If you just pause every now and then, you know, take a little break and just look around and really absorb the beauty of your surroundings. I think most people do that anyway when they're outdoors. But if you're mindful of it and you can, you know, tell yourself, okay, I've been hiking for an hour and a half now. I'm going to stop, have a snack and some water and just really look around and, and, and see where I am and see all there is to see. And don't stare at your phones, guys. Enjoy the nature. Hopefully I didn't yell in your ear there. I try to have the volume proper. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? I tell people, think of the airplane mode setting on your phone, you know, when you go into airplane mode. We're not flying now, so we don't use it for airplane mode. But think of the airplane mode as forest bathing mode. Put your phone into forest bathing mode. I like that. Actually, I was planning on putting my phone on plane mode this weekend to record just the sky, the time lapse. But I'm going to think of it putting it on forest bathing mode. Before we jump to the final questions, let's talk a little bit about finding solids at Theodore Roosevelt Island, which is an island up in D.C. Can you tell us yes. a little bit about it? Because I found it very interesting whenever we did the introduction call. This is the book. It's kind of hard to see in this light. Finding solace at Theodore Roosevelt Island. This is an island that's actually totally within Washington, D.C. boundaries. It's in the middle of the Potomac River between Georgetown and Virginia. It's a memorial to Theodore Roosevelt, who was our foremost conservation president, and he was also a lifelong naturalist. He studied birds and animals and trees, and he loved nature. And so the island is right there. It's in the city. But when you're on the island, you can have this wild experience. You see great blue herons and wild turkeys, and in the summertime, ospreys and kingfishers. This is a this is a kingfisher on the, on the cover of the book. The trees are really beautiful. The rocks, the, the tides ebb and flow. It's, you know, it's a freshwater river, but it's connected to the Chesapeake Bay. The river flows into the Chesapeake Bay. So we have tidal changes. So you can see the tides rising and falling. It's this beautiful wild island. No cars are allowed on the island, not even a bicycle. And so it really is a refuge. So what I did was I spent a year going to the island as often as I could 
and writing all about the island. And I write about, you know, the trees and the birds and the animals and the tides. And I also write about, you know, some of my concerns, my, mm-hmm. my concerns about climate change. And I, I go to the island a lot alone. And I also go with other people and, and write about the other people. And the, uh, some of the other people actually include great grandchildren of Theodore Roosevelt. That was pretty cool. So that's the book. It's a, just a very personal kind of nature memoir, taking you through a whole year in a special place. And you don't ever have to go to the place, I don't think, to appreciate the book. I don't want to compare myself to Thoreau, but only in this one aspect that he wrote about Walden Pond. And you may never have been there, but it's still interesting to read about a natural place that's quite remarkable. I mean, I'm definitely going to add that on my go-to list uh, next time I come in D.C. Because previously when I was there, I was just visiting the museums, the memorials, like all the the places, the historic places. But I'm definitely adding that on my list because that does sound amazing. If you can pick one, one place from all the nature places that you visited to, what would be like your top list? Besides Athens, that was the view. Now we're talking about nature spots. Well, I think I will have to say it's this little mountain called Sugarloaf Mountain. It's less than an hour from Washington, D.C., if you can believe that, that we have a mountain near the city. It's this wonderful little mountain. It's got a rocky summit. It's, there's a beautiful view from the summit, but it's a very accessible mountain. You know, it's really not that much more than a hill to climb. And my children, we lived near this mountain when my children were young, and they loved to go up the mountain. I mean, they could be on the top in 10 minutes. And so it wasn't like a huge ordeal for them. Yeah. And they just love the rocks and the pine trees, mountain laurel that blooms in the spring. And I, you know, I just think of that little mountain really, you know, as kind of like my real wild home in my heart. So for Florida people, either watch sunsets, sunrises, or go on hikes, or go north and climb mountains and like have forest views. Yeah, and your birds, I mean, your birds in Florida, and you have so many incredible parks and, you know, swamps with boardwalks through them. Walking on a boardwalk through a swamp, I mean, that's that's right up there in uh, nature experience land for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Oh, my goodness. Well, what's a new and exciting project that you're working on and that you'd like to share with the audience? Yeah, so I don't really have anything to share right now except for my two books that just came out, The um, Finding Solace at Theodore Roosevelt Island and Resilience Connecting with Nature in a Time of Crisis. I'm still really focused on them. What I'm doing this winter is I'm taking a break from writing books and I'm take, I'm trying to write some poetry. So every day I get up and I, I read poetry. Mary Oliver is my favorite nature poet. I love Joy Harjo. And I read some of their poetry in the morning and then I try to write a poem myself. So that's what I'm working on now. Nice. And if somebody is like, I have no idea how to connect with nature, or I love this conversation and I want to ha- collaborate with you. What would be your ideal client or where can people also connect with you? Yeah, so um, one of the cool things now that, you know, that we're dealing with the pandemic, when we do events over Zoom, people can sign up from anywhere. So I have a website. It's just my name.com. And 
If you go to my website, I have my winter events posted there. So I have two events coming up about Theodore Roosevelt Island. One is free for the public library, Montgomery County, Maryland Public Library. One is for the politics and prose bookstores. You have to pay for that. I have other events. I'm doing an event for the Aspen Center for Environmental Studies about connecting with a wild home. So anybody can sign up for those events anywhere in the country. And then it's really fun to get on the screen and see people from all over North America that have come together to have this nature experience. So um, I think my website is the best way to get in touch, find out what I'm doing. I have all my books on my website and, and my events. And I'll attach the website link on the show notes, you guys. So for my lazy listeners, it's the tap away. Just click there. Now, my very last question, which is my favorite question. I always say this, but it's really my favorite question. What is your personal definition of success? To do the work that you love. Do the thing that makes you happiest. Being fully present. Being fully present in as many moments as possible. We don't want to be fully present for every moment, but for most moments that you are fully present and you are doing work that is meaningful and it's work that you love. Perfect. Thank you so much for being a part of this show. Any last thing you'd like to leave the audience with? I love talking with you. I love your spirit. You have just such an ebullient spirit. I love the fact that you're going to go with your girlfriends to uh, your favorite place and build a fire, watch the sunset and sit around the fire. That makes me so happy. Oh, it's an amazing view. Like I would, every time I go there, I try to take pictures of the sky, but the phone doesn't do justice. So I'm bringing my professional camera this time and I'm just sitting it there to record so I can do a time lapse of it. And we're just talking about it earlier too, because this week has been crazy bananas already. And it's only Tuesday, but (laughs) I'm super excited. I'm like, nope, I'll get all my stuff done. I will be ready for this camping. (laughs) Please send me the pictures. Yes, I will absolutely (laughs) do that. (laughs) And for you, my dear listeners, if you definitely want to go camping and explore your nature, please do so. You will find surprising connection and you will find yourself so peaceful and so relaxed just by staring at the sky and amazing stars. Just do it. Just do it once. Just do yourself a favor, do it only once and then you'll get addicted to it and you'll super love it. (laughs) But also make sure to tune in every Tuesday for amazing episodes just like this one. And until then, Melanie, thank you so much for being a part of the show. What a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you, you listeners for tuning in. I will talk to you guys again next week. Bye. This podcast is a 6-7 Radius production. To learn more about 6-7 Radius, our services, and how we can help you strategize your marketing and increase your sales, click the service tab on connectwithromina.com. <laughs>